0: mildred lawson chapter twenty two of celibates by george moore this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by james carson as she tossed to and fro the recollections of the day turned in her brain ticking loudly and she could see each event as distinctly as the figures on the dial of a great clock she saw the girls playing tennis and alfred walking towards the house she did not see him enter the house it is true but she had met him coming from the house. They had walked to the end of the garden and had sat down under the elms not very far from the spot where she had rejected him five years before. His hesitations had amused her. At last he had taken her hand and had asked her to marry him. There had been something strange in his manner. Something had struck her at the time, but the impression passed in the pride of seeing him fall a prey to her enchantment. But it was her money that he was thinking of all the while. She wondered if she was accusing him unjustly, and this led her into a long analysis of his character. "'But all this thinking leads nowhere,' she cried, throwing herself over in her hot bed." the mere probability that a man should marry me for my money would poison my whole life but i shall have to marry someone i'm weary of my pleasant life and marriage is the only way of changing it i cannot live alone i'd have to take a companion that would be odious i am not suited to marriage but from marriage there did not seem to be any escape all girls must marry rich and poor alike there seems no escape though it is impossible to say why i have tried all my life to find escape from marriage and here i am back at the same point everything comes back to the same point in the end but whom am i to marry alfred no i could not marry a man whom i suspected was marrying me for my money but how is one ever to know She thought of Morton, and the remembrance of their life at Barbizon came upon her actively as the odor of the lilies. He had loved her for herself. He had only thought of her. He had always been nice, and she didn't know why she had spoken against him. It wasn't her fault, nor did she know why she had run away from Barbizon. Ah, those nights at Barbizon, those yellow moons shining upon the forest— upon the mist in the fields, and along the verge of the forest. Ah, how the scent of the fields and the forest used to fill their rooms at night! Sweet influences, wonderful influences, which she would never forget! This present night reminded her of the Barbizon nights, and as she got out of bed the sweetness of the syringa mingled with the sweetness of her body she took a scarf from her wardrobe and wound it about her because she feared a chill and because she wished to look well as she stood in front of the soft night, calling upon her lover come she said i'm waiting for you come oh my lover and you'll find me no longer cold i'm a juliet burning for romeo's kisses my lover my husband come i have lived too long on the surface of things i want no life to drink of life and with you your juliet awaits you delay not romeo come now this very instant or come not at all for to-morrow instead of living fire you may find dead ashes she held her arms to the night and the sense of night mingled with the passion of her bosom But a wind rustled the leaves in the garden, and drawing the scarf tightly about her, she said, Should I have turned from him if he had come? I wonder. Why should the idea transport and the reality extinguish? Why cannot I live in natural instinct? I can I will. Morton shall come back. He has not married Rose Turner. I should have heard of it if he had. I've only to hold up my finger, and he will come back. But if I did get him back, and he did propose, how do I know that it would not be for my money? A love once dead cannot be revived. Nothing ever happens twice. She crept back to her bed, cold and despondent. The passing passion she had felt for Morton was but a passing sensation of the summer night, as transient as the snatches of perfume which the night-wind carried into the room. Again she cared for nothing in the world. She did not know what was going to become of her. The burden of life seemed so unbearable. She felt so unhappy. She lay quite still with her eyes wide open, seeing the questions go round like the hands of a clock. The very words sounded as loud and distinct in her brain as the ticking of a clock. Her nerves were shattered and life grew terribly distinct in the insomnia of the hot summer night she threw herself over and over in her burning bed until at last her soul cried out of its lucid misery give me a passion for god or man but give me a passion i cannot live without one end of mildred lawson chapter twenty two recording by james carson